welcome to episode 47 of the Bolt from the Blue podcast. In this pod, we discuss Manchester City 6, Chelsea 0. And I'm joined by Ray from Man City Fan TV. I was at the game with Ray and Andy. What an amazing day it was. And in this pod, we'll talk about the goals, the atmosphere, and what kind of day out it was for all of us blues. Ray, you, you've now had uh, some time, some hours to digest that performance. And of course, you will know that going into this particular game, Liverpool had beaten Bournemouth and we were up against our third tough fixture in less than uh, seven days. Obviously, we breezed past Arsenal and we got the good uh, 2-0 against Everton. I was interviewed by Andy before the game. I'm sure, I was pretty much like everyone else when he asked me how I thought the game was going to go. I said it was going to be very, very tight, but I hoped we could do it, and I was hoping for a 2-0 win. Ray, now, if we had asked you that question before the game, what would your prediction have been without the knowledge that you have now? My prediction was 2-0. I thought it would be a tough game. The feeling was in the first game, whether rightly or wrongly, Pep was quite stubborn. A lot of teams have subsequently shown if uh, Jorginho doesn't play, uh, you starve him of the ball, he ends up having a poor game, and he and you basically got a defensive midfielder who isn't a very good defensive midfielder. And he's not there as you fulcrum, he's not there passing the ball around everywhere. So that was kind of the feeling in, in the first game when Chelsea beat us. As usual, we had chances and we didn't score. So I thought it was going to be similar, but I thought we'd learn and we'd be better than we were down at the bridge. But we were far better. And I think that's one of the things I, I did notice where... Jorginho was starved of the ball. He was under pressure um, when he did get the ball and he made quite a few sloppy passes um, and we were really pre- not pressing on him too much but pressing on, on him enough so that the goalie wouldn't give him the ball which is, you could see him a few times standing there waiting for the ball but you could see it's like a game of chess. Two guys out wide and Jorginho in the middle waiting for the ball and we'd have three men up there basically in between each of the passes. So in between the de- defender and Jorginho, we'd have somebody. In between the other defender and Jorginho, we'd have somebody. And maybe Aguero between the goalie and Jorginho. So Jorginho had no real chance to get the ball. And as I said, when he did get it quite a few times, uh, he made uh, very poor decisions, poor passes, very poor quality. He looked like a bang average championship player, uh, which is great for us because, uh, you know, you've got the probably best defensive midfielders in the world in uh, Angola Kante playing an attacker. So Ray, with Jorginho playing like that, in fact, he's been playing like that since after the first couple of games of the season, why did Pep want to buy him? Because he was looking for a replacement or someone who could give relief to Fernandinho. Now, this guy doesn't seem to have it in his bag to do the dirty part of the job. So why was Pep looking to buy him? I think part of the reason was we have so much of the ball. It would have been for his passing and more uh, passing qualities, basically, get the ball past it. And if you see what Fernandinho does, a lot of the time it is get the ball past it. Nice and simple, nice and easy, nice and quick. And I think quite possibly Jorginho would have fulfilled that part of the bargain. But he doesn't have... He doesn't seem to have defensive bone in his body. And I think that's what puts Fernandinho head and shoulders above someone like Jorginho. Because not only does uh, Fernandinho do the short, sweet, crisp passes, he's got decent shots on him, but he's there doing the dirty stuff. He's where he's needed. He's he's there 
to sniff out danger and put the boot in and make those innocuous fouls that break up play. And I just don't think Jorginho does that. That's the thing, Ray. I mean, Jorginho can't do the defensive part of Fernandinho's role. So are we saying then that when City were going after Jorginho only to be frustrated at the last minute, that he was never, never intended to be a replacement for Fernandinho. He was just another auxiliary attacking midfielder or a midfielder with slightly better ability to spray the ball around um, in the quarterback role. I've not, not thought of it like that, so, Mike. It's a very interesting opinion. It might have been that... I mean, I, I just feel he'd have been there just to do the passing part of uh, Fernandinho's game. We may have required somebody else to do the defensive part. I mean... That kind of shows to me that Fernandinho is almost two players mm-hmm. because he can do them, them both. And Jorginho can't do them both. Gundogan, we played him there. He can't do them both. You know, how many players you know, out there in the world can do both parts of uh, Fernandinho's job? You know, and if need be, slot into the right back or centre back. There's no one out there. It's a real shame when you think about it that uh, Fernandinho's knocking on a bit. He's still playing fantastically well. But, you know, at some point, and it, you know, it does concern me, his legs will catch up with him. And it won't be this season. It'll probably get us through next season as well, um, sharing the role with somebody else. But, you know, there's only um, so many miles in those, uh, in those legs. Do you think the best of the candidates to come in and eventually replace Fernandinho is Ndombele because of his physicality? I love Tongi uh, Ndombele. I love him because what we've seen, I've seen a little bit of the French League, He's been called up to the national team and obviously we saw him twice this season against City in the Champions League and he's got that physicality. He is, if he wants to be, you know, I think Andy called him a beast uh, when we were over in Lyon and he's very strong, very powerful. He's got uh, some pace on him. He's got legs. You know, he's, he's running from uh, you know beginning of the game to the end. He does remind me in some respects of Yaya Toure but a Yaya Toure who puts a bit more effort in on the defensive side of the game. Can he pass the ball like Yaya could? Um, I've not observed it enough. I mean, most of the time when uh, I've seen him, he's, he gets the ball, he passes it off. He, you know, he's kept it simple and he puts his foot in. And he's, I've seen him a few times, he's made those driving runs. We don't know yet whether he's got, you know, I haven't seen enough of him to see whether he's got the same passing ability of Yaya. But, you know, having three quarters of the qualities, you know, having that, Ability to put the foot in, cover grind quickly, strong and powerful to scare your opponents. I mean, he will with his physicality. Um, I think that's a good start. And he's only, if I remember correctly, 22 years old. So he's got time to learn and develop. And at Man City, playing under Pep, best manager in the world, I think he'll learn and develop. Well, here's my next question for you, Ray. Now, this isn't the first tonking that Chelsea have got this season. And for the very same reasons that you described, I'm not sure if I can remember who was the first team to put the man on Jorginho and um, starve their midfield and overrun their midfield like that. But it's been done two or three times. City are not the first. Now, if you listen to the ESPN FC podcast, one of my favorites, because you've got the very passionate Stevie Nichol on there, yeah. and he's having this furious debate with Gabriel Marcotti. I, I don't know if you heard that, heard but that um, Stevie Nichol is making the point that it's just ridiculous that you you see this and the, and you refuse to alter your plan. And this is something that was levelled against Pep from time to time too. 
And they would said, you know, when his system of attack with the, the overloads down both channels and the bulls, and when that doesn't work, Pep was accused of, you know, not having an, an alternative means of scoring goals. Now, Sari is coming in for this. Now, he's not, he's not a stupid man by, by any stretch of the imagination. Why is he doing the same thing game after game, in your opinion? You can be clever, but still be stubborn. The difference with Pep, you know, whether he got lucky or he just, he said, you know, um, plan A's not working, so we're going to do plan A better. The little tweaks to plan A, I think that's what Pep did. And, you know, what, who are we to judge? But I think just about every observer from the outside would have said, Kant is your defensive midfielder. I mean, I would possibly play the two of them together, side by side, rather than pushing Kanti out wide. So it is very odd. And I just think Sarri is stubborn. And Pep was stubborn uh, the first season he was here. I mean, we, we, let's be, let's be honest about it. We, we had some struggles and that was leveled at Pep. Second season, no one complained that Pep was stubborn. And, you know, his stubbornness, his, I wouldn't say stubbornness, his determination that his team could do and his methods and his system and everything else was so steadfast. Um, and it proved to be, it proved to be right, proved to be successful. It just needed maybe a little bit of tweaking here and there, a little bit more time. Now, Sari won't get the time to tweak his, he won't get the time uh, to develop it a little bit. I mean, you know, it carries on uh, a couple more defeats. And when if top four is looking at the question, what's the, what's the reason for Chelsea to keep Sari? They've got the history of booty managers, you know, Scolari and others, when top four was not on the, on the table. So I don't really, you know, Sari's on um, thin ice. Are you basically saying that Sari is a little bit like a first season Pep, only without the backing of Soriano and Bagiristan? Very good way to look at it, because you know what you get at Chelsea. You know what, with the board and the owner, um, you don't provide success, you're on your bike. And and that's where Pep and our, and our good friend, Ferran Soriano, you've seen the pictures, yep. mm-hmm. is, is uh, embracing us like um, long-lost brothers at, at the Etihad after the game. Uh-huh. And a big shout-out to Ferran. Pep's very fortunate in the structure at Manchester City because we've got that stability with the owners, just over 10 years, We've got that stability with the board. There's no knee-jerk reactions. Everything's done for the long term. And it's not you know, short or medium. It's long term. And you can see that by the success of Manchester City right now. The success both on the pitch and off the pitch. I mean, a turnover of, I think it's just over £500 million. Uh, it's quite ridiculous if you look back 15 years or something when we're turning over £80 million. Um, and you look at the development around East Manchester. The, you know, it's not just a sporting opportunity. It's definitely a massive business and investment opportunity for them. But you can see they've got that structure, they've got that belief, they've got that foresight, and they've got that determination to see it through and ride a few rough patches. Because there's no question, there's no doubt that first season under Pep, there were it was a choppy ride, and there, there were people uh, questioning him. But the support of uh, Cheeky and Ferran is uh, um, pretty unequivocal, and that's quite stable. So you, he's not looking over his shoulder like Sari is, and Sari's already said you know he's concerned. You know he has to be concerned because um, they've dropped out of the the top four after starting the season so well. I mean, you can see uh, Roman Abramovich with an itchy uh, trigger finger because from starting the season so well, winning was it five or six on the bounce looking like you're going to challenge, looking like you're playing decent football, scoring goals, not letting too many in, their, their world's imploded. So I can, I can see, uh, you know, 
Sari getting uh, Abramovich's size 11s, um, you know, within the next few weeks, if, if results carry on like this. Yes, yeah, Sari ball is looking pretty much dead at the moment. Yeah, but Sorry ball, uh, not Sari ball, mate. Sorry ball. <laughs> sorry ball. Okay, well, listen, enough talk about our opponents and their various uh, merits and strengths. I think listening to a lot of the reports on all of the different pods uh, since the game, all of our rivals in the media... <laughs> That they just basically have come to the consensus that it's that Chelsea were so bad, but come on, the first twenty-five minutes. Let's talk about that. It was champagne. Some of it was champagne football, almost clinical uh, to the extreme. Apart from probably that Sergio Aguero miss. You know, I think I could have scored that one myself. Actually, <laughs> um, I mean, I think you said so at the time. Quite a few people around us said they could have scored that one. Some of them were, were had walking sticks. So. And I personally, I mean, I thought, this is my, my personal opinion, uh, might not, uh, you know, it might go against some of the grain. I thought Chelsea started quite brightly. Yeah, I think I so thought, too. I thought the first two or three minutes, they looked dangerous. They had two or three, wouldn't see opportunities, moments around our box. I think there was a ball lifted over to Higuain, if, if I'm right, very early on. And, mm. and it was just a bit too far uh, ahead of him. And um, the coolest man in the stadium, as always, Edison just stood there. Expecting to get the ball rather than come out, and it, it proved right. Um, and then I thought it was against the run of play that we scored from a, a, a free kick from taken by uh, Kevin De Bruyne. And I think um, just a shout out to Mr. Paul Tierney. Mm-hmm. You should take note what a quick free kick is all about, and why you should give some sort of advantage to the attacking team, the ta- the team that's been aggressive. Yeah, one of our players was fouled. You should give us some sort of advantage. Good old Mike, he gave us uh, the advantage here. A very quick free kick to Bernardo. And he put the ball across the box. And uh, it just went past everybody. And Raheem Sterling came uh, storming in. And he slotted the ball home. Very nice finish. There was probably, if I count up, maybe four players between the ball and the back of the net. And he managed to put it nicely into the, uh, into the corner, bypassing all those lunging, desperate dives, uh, attempts to save the ball and stop the goal. And it was a very nice, nice goal. And then we come up to that, that Sergio Aguero miss. And it was like, I mean, Bernardo had done some incredible play in the box in, in keeping the ball alive, keeping the move alive. And he was moving sideways across the six yard box, taking Chelsea players with him. Two or three players went with him. And when he put a beautiful ball across the box, you know, uh, the goalie Kepa, he was uh, nowhere to be seen. And Sergio was just standing there, uh, you know, hanging on. <laughs> I was trying to do a Walter Smith uh, quote there, but it was, <laughs> but it was hanging like uh, someone standing next to a lamppost, um, you know, just waiting to tap it in. Don't uh, try and match Walter for the, uh, the analogies. <laughs> Give that up. Like Your talents lie elsewhere, mate. A beautiful play by uh, Bernardo. Put it across the, the box, a six-yard area. Kepper out of the picture. Sergio Aguero is sitting there at the post. It's like he could have had a fag. He could have had a cup of tea uh, and still had time to tap that in. And he just inexplicably hits it the wrong side of the post. And even now, I can't believe he missed that. And especially when you see what he did after that, you think, how could you miss the simplest of tappings? Because it didn't take him very long to make up for that. And it's a it's a while since we've, since we've seen a, a goal scored by Aguero from twenty five yards out, isn't it? Oh, it's it was superb. It was stupendous because if you remember, his last hat trick was I think a cumulative of about eleven yards. 
uh, against Arsenal, pretty much tappings. Um, and this, it kind of... And some people were beginning to say, Ray, that he had lost the ability to shoot from distance like that. He likes to shoot from a distance. I just don't think it's, he's been as important uh, in the recent past. Because he, the thing is, he's getting the opportunities because he is dropping back. He is dropping back to pick up the ball and, and help uh, make the play um, before getting back into the box. So those opportunities will come. And it's great to see he's still got that, you know, that lethal uh, pile driver in his, in his armoury. But, I mean, it was, it was good to see Zinchenko. He'd made an early mistake. And people were saying, oh, no, it's going to be one of them with Zinchenko back again. So there was a fear that he was going to make some errors. But like an earlier game in the season, I can't remember which one, he made a, a big glaring error early on, which led to a goal. But then he played brilliantly after that. And Pep, after the game, it said some players could have hidden. But uh, Zinchenko was our player of the game because he, after that mistake, he was, you know, he stepped up. Mm-hmm. And it was like that again. He made a little error. And then he steps up. He, he got a bit lucky with the ricochet, but he got past a couple of Chelsea players. Aguero took the ball off him. And as I said, he unleashed a pile driver 25 yards and two keepers wouldn't have saved that effort. <laughs> two David De Gea's, two Allisons would not have saved that effort. You know, two Keppers would have saved that. Nobody would have saved that. It was unerring. It was, it had some swerve and some bend and some dip right in, in that corner. And actually, it reminded me of uh, Sergio Aguero's debut. Uh, yes, very, very good point. I, I took my little lad for his first game. He was two years old. That was his first City game. That day, watching Sergio Aguero play, we knew we had a great player on our hands. The way he linked up with David Silva, he was only on for about 20, 25 minutes. He scored two goals and he absolutely thundered one in from about 30 yards. And, you know, that was at the end of the game. And my, my son wanted to leave. He had been wanting to leave for about 15 minutes. He, he was getting bored. And I'd managed to just get to the top of the stand and, and lingered there and then we scored and we were it, w- it went mental the few fans that were left you know, you know people had uh, sloped off but it reminded me also that the, the term world class is banded about far too easily these days but for Aguero I mean he, he's truly world class you, you saw his you know another hat trick um, he's got 16 league goals this season he's played a few games less than some of the others uh, he's injured every season. He misses games. Tell me this. Um, I read a report in the newspaper and, and someone remembered that apparently Gaza, he had the ability and he was apparently he was showing off. He could put his head on the ball and deliver the ball right into the hands of the goalkeeper. Now, Gaza doing it is one thing. Barkley trying it is something else. What was going on there? Um, I'll let you into um, a secret here, Mike. Okay. Barkley. Once a blue, once <laughs> a blue. Okay. <laughs> He was being a plonker just to help City win, and he's doing all he can to stop. Interesting the conspiracy theory. You've got, you've got professional footballers who want them not to win the league. I mean, how bad it is. <laughs> you know, you, you've got every man and his dog, apart from certain sections of the media and and deluded fans who think you know everybody. They think they still think that everybody wants Liverpool to win. They're their darlings, and they've yet to really realise that. They are the most hated team in the country. They they just despise their fan base, especially and their blind manager and players who come out with ridiculous comments and behaviour. Um, yeah, I'm I'm putting Rob Barkley's uh, error down to um, maybe he didn't see Sergio. I mean, Sergio's a small chap, and there was probably four or five Chelsea players between Barkley and Sergio. He may have not have seen him, but it was a ridiculous piece of defending. Absolutely. Ridiculous, and yeah. um, 
Sergio, I mean, to his credit, I mean, he was he was standing there in the danger zone. He was still alert, and he slid the ball home on the half turn. Keeper had no chance. I mean, once Sergio got a decent connection, I think at the time we couldn't believe it. We went, you know, we'd gone mental for the first two goals and about that. We were we were bouncing up and down, mm-hmm. especially that Sergio one from 25 yards. And actually, that's what as soon as that ball hit the net, some Chelsea fans left the stadium. Talk to me about number four. When Pep came to Man City, the first player he signed. And he was injured too. <laughs> he was injured for a, for a while. He wasn't fit till the middle of September. So he signed a player. He was Croc. He paid about 22 million quid for him, something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, now you're a World Cup winner. You know, he's, he's just, Ilke Gundogan is a serious, serious player. And, and for making his first signing, I think that beats volumes, spoke volumes. And he's really, if you're honest, uh, about it. He's not really let us down, and he's um, really flowering uh, this season. He's quite a few of the naysayers, people who are criticising him on social media. They've actually ate a little bit of humble pie. Some of them, the good ones at least, and said, "Look, I was wrong." Okay, you can argue that the goalie. Sh- I think the goalie should have saved his shot, mm-hmm. uh, but that's by the by. You don't you don't buy a ticket. You don't win the lottery, uh, so to speak. You know, there was that move was built up with Sterling. He passed it to Aguero. I think uh, Guerra was looking for another shot. I think it was Rudiger who blocked it, and the ball bounced out to um, Gundogan, and he slotted it home. As I said, I think the keeper he got a hand to it. He probably should have done better. Uh, but to be honest, at that, that that moment, we didn't care. You know, we were just uh, bouncing again, and it was an incredible feeling. Four 0 up against Chelsea after 25 minutes. You know, uh, the game was up. It was finished for them, and all they could do was try to save themselves uh, from a humiliation, and which they failed to do. And so we went in 4-0 up at halftime. It only took 11 minutes after the restart for Sergio to get his hat-trick. Now, I was uh, in the process of coming up the steps with uh, Andy, so I actually, uh, actually missed what caused the penalty. Uh, so you can let us know about that now, Ray. Sterling, like he'd done all day long, he caused havoc amongst the defenders at Chelsea this way and that way. They'll be glad this game's over. I mean, they've got class defenders, as people are Quetta. Mm-hmm. He's a very, very good defender. The way Sterling would turn him inside and out, the way he'd run at him, run past him, leave him for dead. I mean, he was doing that all game long. It was a fantastic performance. Could argue he was joint man of the match with Sergio. Or, um, you know, it, it, it was that good a performance. Sterling, he he ran ran at Aspi. Uh, he nudged the ball past him, and he was on the, obviously on the front foot. Aspi was not going to catch him. It was kind of a um, lazy defender's tackle. Uh, you know, you're not going to get there, but you still put the foot in. Sterling uh, nipped in, nudged he nudged the ball ahead, and Aspi was already lunging in, and actually. Sterling wouldn't have got that ball. It was going to the keeper. It was too far ahead of him. But he knew the foul was coming. I mean, it was that telegraph. It was that. You just knew it. And and Aspie was late. And as I said, I felt it was a lazy tackle where when you're getting beat 4-0, lunging, you don't put in to, to stay with the uh, with the attacker. Sergio's um, 11th career league, uh, Premier League hat-trick. He sent the keeper the wrong way. Very nice into the corner. Did you watch Alan Shearer's response to that on uh, on Twitter? There was a, a, a bit of footage when uh, yeah. Shearer saw saw him uh, equal his record. He didn't like it too much, I think. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Shearer's a proud man. I mean, rest assured, I don't think anybody soon take his two hundred and sixty. Oh no, not at all. I mean, Absolutely he's had not. that. He's had that longevity. 
And I think that's what's made the difference. And obviously, he started playing early enough. I mean, I'll talk about that. I mean, Sergio's up there now. He's got 160, if I'm right, Premier League goals. About seventh in the list. I think he's just behind Jimmy Indy Four, who's got 162, and Robbie Fowler, 163. And then you've got Pat Frank, Lampard, 177 up there. Andy Cole, 187. And Wayne Rooney's 208. So, you know, you look at Sergio and you think 160 goals. It is going to be this season. He's going to be in the top five. And fingers crossed, next season, a, a decent season of fitness, he'll be at least third. And I expect him to finish second in the list. If he does it, it overtakes uh, Rooney in second place. And won't he have done it in about 150 less games or yeah. something like that? Yeah, he, he's <laughs> far fewer games. And actually, I, I do I, I do know the numbers. Because uh, I, I did, uh, you know, as I said to you before, I do a lot of research. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Serge has taken 229. If you actually look at the, the goals per game, and I think that tells the story because, I mean, Rooney's is 200, just over 200 goals in 500 games. So it's about not, just about 0.4. Shearer's at 0.59. Mm-hmm. That's your benchmark. Thierry Henry, 0.68. Mm-hmm. And there's only two players who scored a significant amount of goals who've got a higher uh, ratio, and that's Sergio, 0.7. And there's one other player who's on 0.7. And he's the only one, I think, who can overtake Shearer. And who's this? Harry Kane. Harry Kane. 122 goals. So he's mm-hmm. actually not fought, you know, he's two seasons for football behind uh, Sergio. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think Harry Kane, you know, uh, if he stays fit, he'll overtake Sergio. He'll o- he's the only one who's really got a chance mm-hmm. uh, of catching Shearer. But then a few more seasons of, uh, of not winning um, the league or not winning a trophy, he might be off to... Um, Sonia Klein. So, what Sergio's done is incredible. So, yeah, he's fantastic. He's absolutely fantastic. And as I said, world-class player. And I hope he stays as long as he as he wants to. Well, of course, all of the fans were hoping that uh, we could put the gloss on it by making it six. And, of course, that duly happened from another guy who's racking up the goals. And that is Raheem, who yeah. is... Whereabouts in the league is he? Uh, I think he's... Um, Top he of the second? league. Is he second... No, oh, he's top of the league. Top of the league. He's top of the league. You know, someone should make a song about that. I think that's a good idea. It's a yeah. very good idea, you know. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> I will say this. Just before Sterling scores a foul on Gabby in the box, mm-hmm. where Louise pushed him, and Gabby got his shot off, but he was off balance, obviously didn't score. And that should have been a, a, a penalty. And Louise actually should have been sent off. And Mike Dean, I've got to say, he was very... Relaxed with his yellow card, he wasn't pulling it out. I've got a guilty secret, Ray. Go on. Is it wrong that I really enjoy Mike Dean? And I think he's a fabulous entertainer. I like a bit of entertainment. It's not about him. You know, I like, it's like Billy Bowden, uh, the the cricket umpire, with his (laughs) uh, crooked uh, finger sixes. Yes, yes, yes. And you get some other umpires who do like this signal of a four and, you know, others doing the bouncing of the ball. And I mean, I, I love all that because at the end of the day, it's an entertainment game. Mm-hmm. It is entertainment. We were there to be entertained. And you find somebody who didn't laugh when uh, Mike didn't give that penalty with that exaggerated. Uh, uh, he's ju- he's just a superstar, that guy. You've got to enjoy that. <laughs> and, you know, I'm not so sure about his refereeing skills, but as an entertainer, you know. Yeah, as, as an entertainer. But yeah, so Louis should have been sent off. But then we had that pen- uh, we had that last goal. Zinchenko passed to Silva, and. It, you know, the the ball from Silver, he delayed it a fraction and he let the two defenders come to him. And I, I, I can still picture it now. It was sumptuous. It was gorgeous. It was beyond belief, the ball between the two players. It's like a thread needle pass to Zinchenko. 
perfect weighting. Mm-hmm. And Zinchenko crossed it to Sterling, who hit it high into the net. And 6 nil, and we were, you know, it was... Um, cloud nine. Oh, absolutely, cloud nine. And it felt like cloud nine away up there with you guys in, <laughs> in, in up in the gods in uh, in 316. Oh, my gosh. It, it, it's, it, it is a good view. You it's a perfect view. I mean, that sixth goal, it was, um, it was one step beyond belief. Mm-hmm. I almost feel uh, that, you know, the the other guys, you know, who are around the... Uh, the sides and down at lower level, they they should really be envious. You've got such an an amazing bird's eye view of how play develops um, as you're watching the game. I mean, that's a that's a really enviable place for you to be watching games there, um, yeah. Ray. I mean, I, I mean, I, when I first started going to Etihad, I was I used to go on the sides. I loved it uh, high up on the sides because you could see the full pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when when I because I was living abroad as well, I thought, well, I'm not. You know, I was not getting to you know more than ten games a season, so I decided to they they whack the prices up as well. So I thought, okay, I'll move to the family stand. I think I spent a year or two there, and then I moved to the south stand. And the only reason I'm up this high is because my youngest um, got his season uh, ticket. Uh, was it last year? Mm-hmm. His first season card. And the only place I could get three of us sat together at the time was up there. And it, the only the only the only thing I have against it. And you've seen it, and you felt it. Developed really good calf muscles, I think. Yeah, the walk up there, especially <laughs> if you walk up the stairwell and not taking the lift. Mm-hmm. The walk up there, you know, even with your head down, solid uh, route march, it takes you a, a good minute to walk up there, up those steps. If you've been down to the the lose or for a drink at half time, and I think the worst thing I've done a couple of times, I've made this mistake, was when I've gone up the wrong stairwell. I've gone up. Um, 315 or 370 by mistake oh, and you no. get to the top and you think I'm not supposed to be here and you look around oh. and you have to walk all the way down and then all the way back up mm-hmm. and by the time you get there you know you got calves uh, as big as anything as big as your uh, as big as your thighs by the time you've done that walk two or three times but it's a fantastic view Everybody who goes up there really loves it up there. Well, I want to, I just want to give a big shout out to you and Andy for all the amazing work that you do with Man City Fan TV because I got to spend the day with you guys and see your work processes and uh, the amount of graft that goes into that. But it does bring um, its pleasures because I'm go- I'm going to uh, get you to help me to yeah. uh, to recall the the list of the famous people that I got to have my photograph taken oh. with. So we got, no, we got, I got Tony Book. You got Tony Book early on. Peter Barnes. Yeah. Tommy Booth. Uh, Michael Brown. Michael Brown. Paul Dickoff. Paul Dickoff. Edgy. Yeah. Richard Edgehill. <laughs> Edgy Edgehill. Uh, Mike Joyce. You got yeah, Mike Joyce. That Mike was jo- a cracking one. Mike Joyce. He was lovely man, Mike Joyce. Absolutely. Companion. Very lovely too. Um, you know, uh, I mean, I always think uh, whether you're an ex-footballer or, a, or a, a star, to give a little time to for people to take uh, selfies is great. And it's also, you forget the people that they're with because they have to stand around and wait. You know, Mike Joyce's uh, uh, companions, they stood there very with them and they're laughing. And, you know, it's very, it was, I mean, obviously, we've just uh, stuffed Chelsea 6-0, so we're back to the great time. But who else you met? Uh, Sean Gorter. Sean Gorter. Uh, Alex Williams and there was quite a bit of banter going on between you guys. Or... <laughs> do you want to? Te- you want to? Sh- should we keep that a secret or do you want to tell people? 
keep, <laughs> keep it a secret. Okay. Uh-huh. And, and, and then, uh, of course, you know, we were, we would, I remember we were quite early on after the game, uh, outside the main end, we were just chatting away. Spanish chap came up and he said, uh, can I, can I, can I take a selfie with you guys? You know, I mean, bolt from the blue, all the way from South, South Korea. That's right. Yeah. We said, of course. And uh, I had no idea who he was. And so we said, David, what, uh, what, what's your name? Um, and and I, I said, I said, I said, mate. And then there's another guy in the background. He jumped in. I said, "Don't be cheeky, mate. Don't be cheeky." <laughs> and, uh, and, and then someone said, "Oh, it's, uh, it's good old Ferran." Ferran, sorry, I know. Oh my he, gosh! He stopped for a selfie, and he, he's a lovely, lovely chap. You know, absolutely lovely chap. Uh, but he did tell us when the selfie was over. And said, no, I mean, that's not how. That's not how I have it in my memory, Ray. So that's my story, and I'm going to stick to it. You know, I'm going to. It was an unbelievable, unbelievable. There was, and there's one other thing that really sticks in my mind uh, from this game before we end up wrapping up. But after 15 minutes, I merit Laporte pinged the ball. It must have been 60 yards, 70 yards, a cross field diagonal ball, right, drilled it to Bernardo Silva, who killed it stone dead. Uh, I mean, that, and we were tuning up at the time. That was, it was a great pass, great ball, great vision. And great control. And it kind of summed City up because we went through phases of unbelievable play all the way through that game. Um, and I don't think that's the best we played. It was, uh, as we said from the start, you know, why, you know, was it Chelsea playing bad or us playing good? It was a mix of the two. You know, Chelsea switched off at the back a few times for the goals. The keeper might have saved a couple of those longer shots. Jorginho was just a mistake. We, we step it up. And I think we do that quite regularly. We step it up. And we've been doing it all season where we might not be playing brilliant, but we step it up for a five-minute spell, score a couple of goals, and the game's over. I mean, we didn't have, I think was it we had nine shots on target in the whole game, something like that, and we scored with six. Some games we'll have nine shots on target with one and get beat 2-1. So we were just a bit more clinical, effective, more efficient than usual. Um, but I was saying, you know, with you guys, when we were five up, I really think we can get seven or eight. And uh, to get... You know, it would have been unbelievable, uh, very greedy to break the Premier League uh, goal scoring uh, record against a team like Chelsea. I mean, it is, it was utter humiliating for them. Um, you know, and th- their fans were uh, despondent and in despair. There was a lot of um, <laughs> abuse directed towards the players after the game and the manager uh, from the uh, Chelsea hard, but we didn't care. I mean, we were, and, and, and finally from me, I've got to give a massive shout out. Massive shout out to uh, the DJ or the PA announcer, whoever was in control, end of the game, uh, sticking on madness and one step beyond. That was a bit cheeky, was it? <laughs> oh, it was, mate, it, it was perfect because it summed up how all the City fans felt. Then to slap on Joy Division and Love Will Tear Us Apart to give us that. Uh, extra opportunity to give that rendition of, you know, uh, City Terrence. Cockney's uh, surprise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, it was brilliant. It was, it was a perfect, uh, ending to that game. It's a shame that someone's had to apologize afterwards officially. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's ridiculous. You're having a bit of fun. You're having a bit of banter. You know, it's not as if we're, uh, abusing them, being rude, rude to them. We're having a, a you know, a petty, you call it a petty little dig if you want. Mm-hmm. It's just banter between football fans. And enjoy it, mm-hmm. you know, take it and enjoy it. And it, it was, it was, but it was fabulous. You know, it was one of the, 
along with the Liverpool game, it was one of the best games this season, just because of, you know, for different reasons. But this was so easy. Um, we, and the crowd after the game, everybody wanted to chat. Everybody wanted to come up and talk to you, have the pictures taken with you. Uh, it was just a fabulous, uh, fabulous match uh, and fabulous occasion from start to finish. Manchester City 6, Chelsea 0. And uh, it really sounds like Man City had the luck of the Irish with them, didn't it, Ray? Um, all the way from South Korea, the luck of the Irish with us. And uh, you can come again, mate. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, Ray, if people want to get a little glimpse of what it might be like to have a day out with you and and see some of these wonderful selfies and various things, where can they find you on Twitter? Twitter, I'm at, at ManCity underscore Ray, and Andy's at uh, Aviation Blue. Um, and sometimes we'll go across to the main entrance, but usually one of us uh, will be at the Blooming Cafe from about two to three hours before a game, mm-hmm. and for at least an hour, hour and a half mm-hmm. after the game, whether it's uh, raining, either there, uh, editing and uploading videos in the rain. It doesn't matter to us, you know. Um, we love it. And some of the comments from the fans, um, there was Owen and Chris. Uh, they came down from uh, Glasgow. It was Owen's first game. And I think it was Owen's mother on Twitter made a lovely comment. And I said at the time, it's stuff like that that makes you really enjoy what you do even more. I mean, we're doing it for the fans. You know, we've always said... Um, we don't get paid for what we do. No one's paying us to do all this. We do it because we love it and we enjoy what we're doing. And the feedback from the fans is so positive, you know. I mean, Andy always tells me whenever he goes down to the loo at half time, people are coming up to him and stopping him. You know, he's getting half a dozen people thanking him for what we do, telling him we do a great job. Uh, I hope it's not while he's standing at the urinals. That's <laughs> and, you know, when they say you're massive, Andy, I, I think they're talking about the channel rather than anything else. <laughs> um, but no, in all seriousness, you know, we, we love doing it. We love it for the fans, whether they get a lot of fans from uh, all over the world who uh, are very appreciative of what we do, meeting the fans. And, and you know, I, I'm, I'm a shout out to Cheesy. He does uh, talk to a lot of fans and around people appreciate what he does as well. But it is very humbling is probably the wrong word, but it's, it, it's a nice warm feeling inside when people thank you uh, for what you do. And uh, say what you know that we're bringing the atmosphere and the fans uh, and, and and the occasion to fans from all over the world. And we get, we do get a lot of requests now because people say I've never been. Uh, I want to go. And we've got a, a friend of ours from America, Carl. He wants to go. He wants to bring his wife uh, for their first game um, at, at, at the SA before the end of the season. So you know, people are seeing these these videos that Andy and I put out, and uh, they're so eager to come after watching these videos. It's fantastic. And we all say, you know, drop us a line. If we can help to, to, to uh, source you a ticket, we'll do our best um, to do that. And uh, just come to the Etet, come before, you know, the end of the season, come before Pep uh, finally leaves, and whenever that's going to be, hopefully, in 10 years' time. It might be in two years' time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but come on, watch. You know, whatever we win this season, we could win nothing. Uh, we could win everything. But we are playing the, some of, some of the best football we've ever seen, you know, last season and this season. And, uh, we're the best team in the league, whether we win, win it or not. I, I don't care. I mean, that, I think that statement, uh, I've, I've put it out there, put it out there before. Uh, we're the best team in the league. Doesn't always mean you're going to win every game, but, you know, guys come, 
watch uh, and, and drink it in. Watch as much of Manchester City as you can because this level of football, you know, we'll look back at it in, in a few years' time and uh, reminisce, you know, about the football that we were that we were used to watch or that we're watching now, uh, and we'll miss it. I know, guys, and um, I just want to do my own little shout out. I actually got to to meet um, a lot of the Waltons who were in the Naughty Corner, which is um, a, a little bar in the uh, in the in the squash club, and we got to see uh, Wormy and Eileen Fullen and Etta and David Gregory and Barbara Ellen and so many more of those guys that travel from all parts of uh, the country to go to city games uh, so guys i hope you enjoyed our little pod i'm mike at bolt from the blue you can find us at at bolt from the blue uh, blu because someone else has has nicked the the bolt from the blue with the e on the end so i had to be content with the bolt from the blu really enjoyed this little pod and i just want to not leave without saying thank you and cheerio for now to our guest ray from man city fan tv Thanks very much, uh, Mr. Blue. And, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, to counter that, I'll say to you, the, you know, the future is so bright, this man is wearing shades all the time. <laughs> okay. So, guys, uh, we'll finish off in the usual way. Enjoy the games and, and have one on us and up the blues. 